This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, I went home to Louisiana a few weeks ago and was driving up to my parents' house. They live way, way, way out in the country. And I'm obsessed with random signs that I see on the side of the road. Like, I'm the person that if I drive by a sign, I'm going to turn around and go back because I have to read it again because sometimes they're just absolutely fascinating. And this sign said, Dave's Hardy Mart, we cook 24 hours, exclamation point, new ownership, exclamation point, no more smell, exclamation point. No more smell. No more smell. And so for somebody like me that, first of all, they have just told me that they cook 24 hours. So obviously they sell food. And if you're telling me that you're cooking 24 hours and that there's no more smell under the new ownership, I just think you've given me too much information. Like there is no way I'm going to pull in at this gas station. And I love gas station food. Like that is my guilty pleasure. I love gas station food in the South. Like give me a chicken on a stick any day of the week, especially from T. Ricks in El Dorado, Arkansas. Shout out to them. But seriously, like, no more smell. Why would you tell people that? I'm at a loss for words. I'm studying this picture that you sent me. I like the 24 hours. We're open 24 hours. I mean, I am a absolute Waffle House lover. You had me at We Cook 24 Hours. If I'm driving and I'm coming through there, like, you got me. I'm in. This is a highway sign for those, obviously, that don't have this photo. We're going to post this photo to our social media. So okay. uh, check it out at I forward on your favorite social media channels we will have it there for i you. like it i like it so why do we need to go to no more smell we are giving way too much information here when it comes to what we need in order to make a buying decision or stopping decision i'm out no more smell and what kind of smell would be so bad at a gas station that you have to make a large sign by the highway well we know the success of bucky's was centered around clean bathrooms yes now they're gigantic shopping cart convenience stores but the original bucky's concept was investing money and having someone clean the bathrooms 24 hours a day, nonstop. So clean bathrooms was the original Bucky's mantra that put them on the map before they started building Texas oversized convenience stores everywhere. My mind immediately goes, it's got to be the toilet. It's got to be the bathroom area. But I don't know. I don't know. So how does this random conversation (laughs) apply to the insurance agency world? I have been thinking about this for, for several months and... As I have so much data in my world, and we are living in the age of big data, but then what are we going to do with it? The question I'm at is, do we actually have too much data? Is there too much information or is there such a thing in running our businesses of having too much information? Or such a thing as sharing too much information with a client. And as you've heard me say a hundred times, the confused mind does nothing. Yeah. So Dave's Hardy Mart, we cook 24 hours. Make it bigger on your sign. I don't need no more smell to take up more line space. Why do we think more information is necessarily better? We think about the consumer. Consumers are so research-oriented. 
Maybe there's something around that. And that's why we think we have to give more and more and more information. But at the same time, we also have all these data points coming back at us and we don't even know which key performance indicator KPI for short, to look at which ones matter. I mean, the whole point of KPIs is the first word, key. Otherwise, it would just be performance indicators, or we would have UPIs, unlimited performance indicators. That's what I feel like this world we live in right now is, is that we're not necessarily picking the right key indicators, or maybe it's not that, maybe we're picking too many indicators that we're watching. And now we have this confused mind, as you say, and we do nothing, or we respond incorrectly because we've got all this data running at us and we don't know what to do with it. As agency owners, what indicators do you think we should be paying attention to and what do we just toss? There's a couple of really important ones to me. Any person that's listened to any other podcast has heard policy per customer. Share of wallet is another way of saying that. How much revenue per customer. There's several ways to look at. I like policy per customer. Number one, the system that we use has that as a built-in calculation, just being able to very quickly look at your overall book of business, either by carrier or by line of business or by personal lines versus commercial lines and being able to say, how many policies do we have per client on average? So that's one for me that's automatic, but revenue per employee, that's an old one, but still a good one because of significant amount of our expense on our P&L. And I say that very, very gingerly because I do not like referring to staff as expense, but labor, labor cost overall is an expense on the profit and loss statement. And so in an insurance agency, it's the largest cost. It's just always been that way. It's probably always going to be that way. Revenue per employee is an important piece. The age old indicator has always been your striving to be at $100,000 in revenue per employee. The further you can push that number up, the better. Some agencies have moved to revenue spread per employee. Some agencies have moved to revenue per customer. Those are really, really low-hanging fruit indicators that if you're doing that, then you're in pretty good shape because most of your other expenses, unless you're just doing something really, really crazy like renting high-end space that you don't need or marketing dollars are out of whack, advertising dollars are out of whack somehow, the revenue per employee piece is going to kind of manage that whole, am I getting the efficiency out of my book, out of my people? Am I generating enough revenue to hire the next person? If I hire the next person, what's that going to do to my revenue per employee? So those are really good indicators that kind of keeps our P&L healthy. I remember one of the very first conversations that you and I had, we talked about getting ahead of hiring too, that don't wait until you need somebody to hire somebody. That when you're looking at your indicators and you're looking at your growth pattern and your starting to forecast that hopefully you have grown this company in a way that you're in the financial shape to hire somebody before you need somebody. That is still true to this day. 
it can happen. You can get behind that. But being able to forecast that, seeing if growth trends are going to continue, trying to project that out. I actually see agency owners get in trouble with over forecasted trends. So they think that what they're doing over the last three months or six months, they're going to continue into the future and they see a downturn. So things right now that are happening in the marketplace, interest rates are rising Heavy, heavy lead generation around mortgage referrals are shrinking. So they're backing up. So if you were used to 100 mortgage referral leads every month and now you're only getting 50, well, if you went out and borrowed money to hire producers, then you're not feeling really good right now, especially if you promise those producers that you were going to provide them leads in their compensation strategy. So there's all kinds of things that can get you in a bad spot. And I think some of those indicators can help you with that. I see this over projecting as a very common mistake. And for that reason, I'm a little slower to hire on the sales side. Taking care of my existing business and watching that retention indicator is really important because if it's running out the back door and you're churning, then it doesn't matter how much new business you're writing. You're eventually going to plateau. When it comes to hiring, I have heard you tell so many agents this, walk up to the ledge, get to the ledge, be dangling off the ledge, do as much as you possibly can, then do 10, 15, 20% more, and then look at doing it. Don't jump, but you don't need to hire somebody just to hire somebody. When you're early on in the building of your book of business, it is so important to walk up to the ledge, have your toes hanging off the ledge. Definitely, we don't want you jumping off the cliff. We don't want that happening to you in your book of business or your agency or your people. Making sure that you are in tune with the health of your people. There's a difference between busy and overly stressed. The insurance business, if you set it up in the wrong way, can be a stressful business. It can also be a less stressful business if you set it up the right way and you do things the right way. But you never want your people to move from really busy to stressed and headed down this burnout path because that's what happens with stress. When you have super, super high stress environments, that's where burnout goes. But this world of the four-hour work week where people want to have a business and they don't want to actually work, that is sort of this formula for having staff maybe or employees that maybe see it the same way and they don't want to work. And so eventually busy has a different definition attached to it. If we are quote open in our agencies for 45 hours, 45 to 48 hours a week, then it's okay to be busy for 40 hours a week. That's okay. That's an expectation of an agency owner is that their staff be busy. But busy and stressed are not necessarily the same thing. Outside of our agencies, what data are you seeing that is making your life cluttered that you have just kind of gotten rid of? I'm on a news fast. I think that's a data point in our lives that's overwhelming is news. We are just bombarded with infotainment and opinions and maybe it's not even news. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's the talk shows. Maybe it's just the fact that I've tried to turn on news multiple times over the last year and I can't do it for more than about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and I turn it off. Now, I still read a couple of places, local, couple of national things, something that will give me as non-opinionated information as I can. Because I think the opinion nature of news today is a data point 
in our lives that just is crazy. And then when you compound that with the social media news attempt, it's just overwhelming. That's something that I've let go of that I feel like has been a freeing thing. I am maybe just generally, I am happier in the sense that I don't have that negativity because most of the news is a negative push. Since we have a choice to choose our attitude, I felt like I went through a period of time where it actually made me choose a bad attitude. I think the switch to having a 24-hour news cycle was the catalyst for this whole over-data thing because they're actually having to find things to fill a 24-hour news cycle with. And when that started in the 80s, I think that it has just snowballed since then and it exacerbated into craziness. And I was reading an article last week that talked about how much faster, I think it was something like 200 times faster that a negative news story would spread, especially on social media, rather than anything positive. I grew up on the ESPN of Australian rules football. Why were they showing Australian rules football? Because they couldn't get any TV rights or anything. They couldn't show anything else. So they were showing college baseball at Rosenblatt Stadium in the College World Series. They were showing Australian rules football. I'm thinking that's a great data point. As a United States citizen, I learned about something that I didn't know anything about because they're showing it because they don't have a choice. They couldn't show anything else. Now, when they can show anything and everything, they find different things to talk about that alienate or become polarizing within society. And it's like, let's go back to Australian rules football. Speaking of ESPN, did you see the footage of the kid from Wyoming in the Little League World Series that came out in his work gloves? If you come out in work gloves, the unwritten rule is you better hit a missile. It either needs to go over the wall or through the wall, though, because that's just one of those unwritten rules if you walk out there in work gloves. Well, he definitely didn't get trash talked off the field. He hammered it. What KPIs did you used to pay attention to that you ignore now? It's just noise. One of the ones that really came out about 15 to 17 years ago was this really, really intense, watchful strategy around quote volume and quote information, like how many quotes you're running. And my goal in an insurance life is to quote less, to stop quoting, right? The world of quoting in doing quotes makes no money. And it's simply a means to an end, so to speak. And we've gone down this path of, can I give you a quote? Can I give you a quote? Can I give you a quote? And I want to move to, can I become your agent? Can I become your advisor? And I know that what we've basically trained society to do is ask for a quote. The really, really brave agents would be the agents that said, sure, now our quotes are $50 each. Or the marketing trend of some agents that started saying free quotes, like that's something new, but it's just a marketing strategy. Going back to charging $50 for it, in my theory of people don't respect what they don't pay for, obviously we're not going to do that, but it's not the worst idea. It's
it's not. I mean, what am I doing a quote for? Is it so you can compare pricing? And, and now we're going to go down this pricing thing. I've reached this point in my career where I don't want to focus on quoting. Obviously, carriers want to see quote volume because they have their own data points that says, if I'm getting agents to quote me, I'll win, especially in the independent agency marketplace. If agents are quoting me, I'll win a percentage. I know I'm going to get a percentage. So if they're not quoting me, then if they're not writing business with me and they're not quoting me, then I got to get them to quoting me. That's always a insurance carrier strategy to get business from agents and do business with agents. I don't pay attention to quote data anymore. It's a huge number in our organization. It's an overwhelming number. I'm sure that we could do some slicing of that data and find something that was of use. But the ROI on that is just a race to the bottom to me. I'm looking at more of a policy per customer or bound business or written business, so to speak, combined with retention numbers. Is your book of business growing? How's it going with a trend line of a carrier? Is there some problem with the carrier? Trying to stay ahead of the carrier's KPI, I think, should be an agent goal because you don't want to be surprised when the carrier rep walks in and says, we're shrinking or, hey, the loss ratio is way out of whack. You don't want to be in that spot. So I've shifted from that quote information to trying to stay ahead of that curve with being a provider of trend, provider of information versus being provided that information at the carrier level. I think if we're looking at a key performance indicator when it comes to quoting, one that would be more significant to me would be proposal turnaround time. That's one that I can really embrace following. I love that one. But again, if we're so busy with things that don't matter, that's going to be difficult to be consistent with. So that's the reason to really, really pick the things you're doing, the, the information that you're listening to and that you're looking at and that's making your decisions. I think it's really important that you simplify that. If I could get back to my world and get back to my word is I think part of this is just getting down to a few things that really, really matter and really drive your agency. When it comes to that turnaround time, I think some of the challenges that our people face are that they don't like to share bad news. If they run a proposal and something comes back, and it is a fantastic price for amazing coverage, they're going to get back with them immediately. It seems to me like these long turnaround times are happening when they're not getting the answer that they're wanting. We don't like sharing bad news. I think that we've got to shift over to customer experience. That's got to be our mindset. We can't worry that we're not beating their expiring policy. We're not able to write their account because of some really crazy reason. And we get to the point to where we go down that turnover every rock category when we're really never going to get there. Most situations should know whether they're going to be able to write an account within a day. We're going to know pretty quick, this is going to be a problem account. This is going to be a struggle for me, or I'm going to be able to compete on this account, or at least I'm going to be able to give them a proposal. I think we need to do that. 
and let the fact that we're not the cheapest price not get in our way because that's where I see people struggling. They don't get back with people quickly because they don't have the best price. They're not beating the expiring premium. When they beat the expiring premium, I just roll my eyes or hand to face emoji when I see I saved so-and-so $1,100 a year. And I'm like, you're really quick to call Sally back when you're going to save them $1,100 a year. What about all the other people that you didn't call back timely because you didn't save them anything and they were mad at their agent for not calling them back? It didn't matter what their price was going to be. They were going to go with you if you gave them a great customer experience. And I think that's what we have to shift our mindset to. Shane, for our agents that are thinking of starting their own independent agency, what would you tell them when they've got all of this data running at them? There is a way to run your agency and look at a handful of indicators that you kind of live and die with. And I'm not saying that more data is terrible or the end of the world or anything like that. I am saying that if you can simplify things down to three, four, five indicators that you really, really pay attention to, that you really, really track, then you're going to be better off long term. There may be some short term trend or something that data point number 462 is providing you, but you can't do that. You can't keep up. The simplifying your KPIs down to things that are making sense to you that you can focus on. And again, mine are revenue per employee, policies per customer, overall book of business growth, retention. Those are the things I look at right there. And that's a four data point view. The systems that we have today, the day, the world of big data that we live in is all about giving you more information and kudos to them. I would probably rather them try to give us more information than less, but I think it's really important that you as an independent agency owner decide on what is going to be important to you, what is going to make you successful in your agency. And that can be different from one agent to the next. It really can, depending on what type of business you write, what kind of personal lines, commercial lines, things like that. But I really think that it's kind of the 80-20 rule here. 20% of the data points are going to give you 80% of what you need and or less. 10% of the data points are going to give you 90% of what you need. And it's really important that you nail down and get down to a simple view of what it is and then stay there. Trend it over time because this is a long-term business. Your book of business growth and healthiness of your book is about trending it over a long period of time with your KPIs. For me, it goes down the road of don't spend so much time analyzing data that you don't have time to hit your goals. And I see people kind of go down that wormhole of data analysis and then all of a sudden they're too busy to do the things they need to be doing. Yeah, you have to be able to execute. That's the other thing for keeping it simple and having a small number of KPIs that you really focus on is even if you had and you've tried to pay attention to a hundred different data points, you can't execute on what all those data points are telling you in the first place. There's not enough time. 
with multiple carriers and multiple things, it's already a complex business and it's important to stay simplified. The other thing is about this is if you are constantly changing systems or adding new little shiny object components to your software stack, finding those trends is going to get more and more complicated. I'm going to leave us with this quote from Hank Aaron. It took me 17 years to get 3,000 hits in baseball. I did it in one afternoon on the golf course. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.